This episode is brought to you by our friends at Major League Baseball. In recognition of Mother's Day, Susan G. Komen and Major League Baseball are teaming up to put moms first and raise awareness to help reduce rates of breast cancer. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. This is Real Talk, a new podcast series where we're going to break down the stigmas and feelings of embarrassment and talk openly and honestly about just how difficult breast cancer can be. From diagnosis to treatment to living with metastatic breast cancer to life after treatment ends. A breast cancer diagnosis can be life-altering for women and men of any age. But imagine learning you have breast cancer while you're pregnant. Today's guests were both diagnosed with breast cancer during their pregnancy. They're going to share about the range of emotions they experienced, their fears, their worries for their health and their baby's health as they went through treatment and how they're doing today. Allison and Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right, thanks. So glad to have you. And, and I, I, I know this is going to be a discussion among the two of you. So, uh, so why don't we start with you just telling the listeners a little bit more about yourselves and then maybe just start talking about what the experience has been like for you. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm happy to jump in um, and kick us off. So I'm Allison. Um, let's see. I was 35 uh, when I was diagnosed um, with stage two breast cancer, and that was two years ago. Um, and in 2021, and I was 17 weeks pregnant at the time, which is not ideal. And it was also, um, the height of the pandemic. So that was also, um, you know, a, a, just a different time for everybody. Um, I also had an 18 month old at home. Uh, my daughter was 18 months and just as busy as all can be. Um, and I was also working full time. So just kind of stacked them all together. Um, and it made for a, a just turning my life completely upside down. Um, if the pandemic didn't do that enough, then, you know, everything else did. So um, I was diagnosed with HER2 new positive, which um, is protein positive cancer um, in my right breast that also traveled to my uh, lymph nodes in my armpit. So um, I had to, you know, I, I had a, a series of tests and scans and all of this stuff um, for about 10 days after that to finally get to final diagnosis and a plan for treatment. So um, yeah, 10 days, it just turned my life completely upside down while pregnant. <laughs> so um, yeah, Kate? Yeah, I was in a little different place. Um, I was 31 years old when I was diagnosed and I was also pregnant, but I was 13 weeks pregnant. I was diagnosed with stage one, grade three, invasive ductal adenocarcinoma. Um, it was triple negative. And then I was also found to have the um, BRCA gene, uh, the BRCA1 gene. So yeah, when I was diagnosed, it was a complete shock. I had you know, a really bad week or two like you. Um, I think that there were so many decisions that needed to be made in that time that I you know, I, I don't remember a whole lot of what happened in those two weeks, but I know it wasn't a great two weeks. I did decide to go ahead and have a bilateral mastectomy. I was 15 weeks pregnant at that time. Then I had to take a recovery leave. And then I started chemotherapy when I was 20, 21 weeks pregnant. 
And uh, that medication was adromycin and cytoxin. They call it AC. And I had four of those treatments and those were pretty, those were pretty rough. I did not handle them super well, um, as you can imagine being pregnant, but I um, it was told by the nurses that, you know, after three days, then you would have your worst day. And so we kind of prepared at home for, you know, the, the days that I wouldn't feel well and, you know, communicated with work about that and just tried to make plans around that and then kind of move forward for the next two weeks and then started with the second round. So after I finished those four rounds, then I had Maeve, my daughter. Um, I was 36 weeks pregnant at that time. So they induced me. She was seven pounds, nine ounces, 19 inches. Uh, she was a big 36-week child. And then I took another two weeks off and then I started Taxol. And that was a weekly treatment. And I had 12 rounds of Taxol. At the point in time when I was diagnosed, um, it was the it was the end of 2016 or the fall of 2016. And I had a then seven-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, I had been married for 10 years at that point. I'm still married, but I had been married at 10 years for 10 years. And it was completely unexpected. I was kind of reminiscing with Allison about it and just saying that I remember thinking, oh, this will be my last pregnancy, you know, I'll, you know, looking for things on Pinterest and starting my own board and, you know, bump pictures and all this stuff. And it just seemed very insignificant when, when I was diagnosed, it, I didn't, I don't think I even opened that Pinterest board ever again after I was diagnosed. Um, and it was very memorable pregnancy, um, but not because I took, you know, those bump pictures. The, the, the lump itself, I found when I was, I mean, I was four or five weeks pregnant when I found it. And I said something to my OB and he said, you know, let's just, let's just watch it because sometimes you can get that when you're pregnant, you can have small cysts or painful breasts. And so we just decided to watch it. And then I had my first OB appointment at nine weeks. And then we decided to go to see a general surgeon. And then after the general surgeon uh, saw it, you know, then you have ultrasound and biopsy and then I was called with the diagnosis the following day. So yeah, it was, it was quite unexpected and yours was different, but still yeah. unexpected. Very unexpected. Um, I found mine. So I, like I said, I had an 18 month old at home, so I was kind of fresh off of breastfeeding. And so I was very in tune with kind of the breasts and <laughs> just kind of being in that space. And happened to find, um, I, I was just noticing a lump that just wasn't going away after breastfeeding. And I didn't really think anything of it. It wasn't bothering me. And then um, I did mention it also to my primary. And she's like, you know, let's just watch it. Like, they, like you know, let's not get all worried or stressed about anything if we don't need to. And then um, a hot minute later, I got pregnant. And that was in November of 2020. I went in for my um, first check. And it the lump had grown significantly from when I found out I was pregnant to when I had my first check, so about four weeks. Um, and my OB at the time was rushed me into the ultrasound, and she said, "Okay, we need to get you scheduled. We need to get you going. This is concerning me." Um, and it was a month later I had the ultrasound. Two weeks later I had three biopsies, which were extremely painful. And then um, I was diagnosed. I, I remember being called and it was like a super snowy day. My husband was outside 
shoveling and I'm sitting on the arm of the couch and the nurse navigator called me who is who how we met was Peggy our nurse navigator through the healthcare system um connected us because we both went through this and she just called me and I was told if the nurse navigator calls you you better sit down so um that's how I found out I was like oh it's it's not the receptionist calling so I knew it was a bigger deal and um 17 weeks pregnant sent me into a spiral and we talked about spiraling earlier today and um that was it was a hard day I mean that was a hard, a hard 10 days um I immediately got scheduled for surgery because of where I was in my pregnancy I had to go right into surgery um a month later and then I had like a quick recovery from that and I started the AC chemo that you talked about. Um, I had a couple rounds of that and then I had to take a break before my son arrived. Um, he was July of 21 and then I got about a six week break um, and I was able to breastfeed him for a quick amount of time because um, I only, I, I was fortunate to only need a lumpectomy and I had lymph nodes removed also. Um, and then I was able to breastfeed him for six weeks and then I had to cold turkey that and go right into 12 weeks of tassel chemo. Um, so an extended maternity leave, which was, you know, a blessing in disguise. I got to stay home with him longer, but at the benefit of, you know, him to be with me, but I was not myself, you know, it was, it was a very hard, it was a very hard six months to be home. Um, and then I went right back into full-time work and six weeks of radiation every day. Um, and then after that, I started a year of immunotherapy. And I just, um, which I just finished up this past October in October of 22, um, my Pergetta injections. So um, I'm now at the, I think I'm eight, eight months post everything and um, still have ongoing like PTOT for some shoulder issues with my surgery and my radiation treatments. But I mean, I think it's very good that we can both sit here hanging out and being friends after all of this completely cancer free. So that's, mm-hmm. and I should, we should mention like completely healthy kids. <laughs> like, yes. That's what we're going to yes. talk about today is our kids. A little sassy. But... Very sassy. Um, my son is almost two and um, just <laughs> just a crazy full of life destruction prone kid, but completely healthy and safe. And yeah. that's, I think, like what was the most impressive thing about the whole the whole journey to me is like as much as we were worried about ourselves, we had to worry about them. And it was I was told, I know you had a different perspective. I was told very early on, almost day one, there is no concern for the baby. And I had my OB at every appointment in the beginning and every scan and every check because she was, she was a representative of the baby. And that just gave me like the, the biggest relief. And I was able to just like almost accept the process and be like, I hate this. I don't want to do this, but I'm, I'm okay in that my doctor said, everything's good and, and fine. If I, if that hadn't happened, I don't think I would have made it as, as calmly through. <laughs> I don't really think it was that calm, but I would have been a little bit more disheveled, I think, but yeah, you it, had it a different feel. Yeah, the day that I was diagnosed, I actually worked with the, um, I work in, in an office or I worked in a medical office and they, the OBGYN actually was working that day, um, ironically. And when I, found out in my results, he told me to come into his office and he said there were some discussions or decisions that we would need to, to make, um, but that we had more testing and more things that we had to look into. And it just, I kind of felt 
I was scared. I felt mama bearish. I felt mm-hmm. like, don't tell me what to do. I, it was, it was a very big mix of emotions and I was a very big mess. Um, my mother also worked with me in the same office. Um, and she, they pulled her in. And so we were crying and it was, it was a very, very, very emotional day. And, um, yeah, I guess I didn't really get a whole lot of that reassurance right up front. Um, and so I ended up looking for it because I was so scared. And which is why when Peggy connected us or when I, you know, after I finished my treatments, I told Peggy, anybody, anybody that needs help. Um, and I think she's given my name to a few people, but when Allison reached out, I was so happy because it's, it's scary to go through, especially if you don't have people to answer, um, answer questions for you. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think that my medical team had dealt with this until I was there. And then after that, I think they've had like, I mean, they had for sure you, and then they had maybe a, a few other yeah. people as well. So they had mm-hmm. more, they could say with more confidence that, you know, this is going to be fine. This is what our plan is. But at that point I was kind of, I was, I don't know, it wasn't a guinea pig, but I was more just like, we were not sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think overall we had good outcomes and we made yes. a friendship out of that. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Amazing friendship where we actually did the um, home and walk together for mm-hmm. the first time. It was my kind of like the end of my treatment celebration and Kate came and we um, walked together at the in the fall in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, which was a pinnacle for me. It was, it, it really marked like the end of my treatments um, and kind of like the coming, I keep my whole like outlook this year is like rebuild. Like I'm rebuilding my life. I'm rebuilding after the last two years. You're, you're a far, a little bit more farther removed. Yeah. Um, but it's still, I mean, it's still raw. And we were getting together earlier today to like talk about like what we want to talk about. And it, it just all came back. Like it was yesterday. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was scary. And, those negative thoughts don't, it, they don't completely leave. Mm-hmm. You think about it a lot. Is yeah. it going to come back? Is this, is this something, mm-hmm. you know, are my kids going to be okay? You know, I think about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, One of the things I remember you telling me that I now think of is like, anytime there's something wrong with like my son, that I'm like, <laughs> is that because he went through chemo with me? Is that because we did surgery <laughs> together? Like all these things. And like my pediatrician is tired of me asking. Know, She's I like, know. For the last time, it has nothing to do with that. He is going to be fine. He's just a kid. And I'm like, no, no, no. He has the sniffles still. It must be because of cancer. And it's just not the case. But I do remember you felt that way about your daughter. I, I think we had her tested for, like, her immune system tested or something. And I'm pretty sure they thought I was crazy. But he's moving her immune system. He's fine. It's like our mama bear is coming out of, like, I, I have to check it all because... Yeah. I feel like this will catch up in some way, shape, or form. And I feel like that fear is always going to be there. Yeah. But I know, like, we've got good pediatricians that warn us of all of that. But yeah. I know, like, at the time, it was very much, like, I, I very much had the the two teams working very closely together, the, like, OB pediatrician group and then the the cancer oncology group of, like, How do we make sure that we're doing safe scans for you and the baby? How do we make sure that like, I mean, I was getting, I remember in the hospital, I was getting heart scans hourly for the baby when I stayed overnight for my surgery. I I mean, I had an OB nurse up there every hour on the hour. Like I was adamant, like you will check this baby and make sure he is fine out of this anesthesia, out of all of this, like. But it did, it helped a lot to like 
Oh, it yeah. does. Like, it okay, did. but it was still there. Right. Okay, it's Otherwise, I would have been a basket case. So. <laughs> and it was also really hard because it was the pandemic. So I actually went through, we had very different treatment yeah. experiences because mm-hmm. I had to go through everything alone. Because if you, you know, during the pandemic, you're, all the doctor's appointments, everything was masked, like no visitors, you had to do it alone. So I ended up doing all of my chemo treatments by myself. I did radiations by myself. I had to stay overnight in the hospital after surgery by myself. Um, it was, it was lonely, but it was like, we talked about it. It's all I ever knew. Like I didn't, I never knew treatment with somebody next to you. So I don't know. I got to, I got to become very friendly with the staff and the nurses became like my friends. And that was, um, that helped me a lot because then I didn't feel so alone. But like you got to bring your mom and you got yep. to bring your 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 yep. husband and your kids came and yep. and I cuddled with May for twelve weeks. Yeah. Every week she they gave me the Benadryl and I passed out and then she she yeah. was like in my lap and we'd sleep with her for a couple hours. So mm-hmm. that was that was my I mean, this sounds crazy. My favorite part of chemo was was the Benadryl. That was wonderful. (laughs) Coming back home, still like groggy. And then I just like grabbed the newborn and went into the couch. And my mom's like, I'll do dinner. Bye. And I was just on the couch snuggling for like three hours after chemo every week. That was my favorite time of the week. I did like my snuggles. Snuggles were fun. But yeah, Yeah. it was, um, yeah, I feel like it was a long time ago, but not a long time ago. So it was just two years ago. Yeah. But my 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 other kids, my yeah. seven year old and my three year old at the time. At the time. I, yeah, yeah, my seven year old was pretty emotional about it. He's mm-hmm. he did some crying and he he kinda tried to look away and be tearful and, and not to show that he's crying. He, you could tell he was trying to be kind of tough and um but he was definitely more um he he definitely knew what was going on and he was genuinely concerned and afraid um my three-year-old at the time she i had she she did not handle it very well um she was very she's she shut down she was very quiet but you know i try to like internalize this and think you know was it me did something happen did i do something but if you think about it you know i was earlier today looking before we were preparing for this or like thinking about it I looked at the pictures from the summer before I was diagnosed and, you know, we, it was just, it was just the four of us. And, you know, my daughter and I would kind of hang out together and we would, you know, we would do princess things and we would do dress up and go for, you know, go to the beach and do all that stuff. And my husband and my son would kind of do this, you know, the same. And then when I was diagnosed, like I couldn't take care of her. I, I couldn't, I was so tired and I was just mentally and physically drained and, so she had new people to care for her mm-hmm. or at least new people to share in the parenting and the disciplining. And I mean, I, yeah, I just remember, I remember her being very shut down and, and kind of angry and she definitely doesn't understand. And today I asked her to like, do you remember? And she, she really doesn't recall a whole lot of it, but I think it changed our relationship, honestly. And that was really hard for me. That really, it, it was a big struggle for me because. I think I had a lot of guilt about that. A lot of guilt about how she, you know, it was, did I do this? Was it my fault? Did I not do the right thing? And I think we're, we're, we're a lot better than we were. Our relationship is a lot better, but 
but I have to put a lot of effort into it to make sure that she understands mm. just because I think it just happened at that like a pivotal time in her life. And oh, yeah. I think she didn't understand what was going on. She was scared. And Well, so oddly enough, you're ironically, whatever your daughter now, like my daughter now is the age your daughter was. Yeah. So like, I can totally see how you know, an 18 month old be seeing like she doesn't understand or remember any of this but like a three four year old 100 percent would and like yeah. be very affected by that and yeah. the fact that mommy can't pick her up and mommy can't go play outside right now and and my hair that was a that. big mm-hmm. losing my hair was a big one for her i think she she didn't recognize me and i think she just i, I maybe this is just me thinking but i think she you know had a lot of imagery about princesses and and she liked to dress up and and now mom has no hair and that's yeah. kind of weird don't women have hair and, and boots and you can't put <laughs> and you can't put bows in your hair anymore and yeah yeah it just yeah. it was kind of a, a weird thing for her to process I guess I don't know maybe at any age it's going to be hard but at different stages it's going to be um they're going to deal with it differently than or like emotionally they're going to deal with it differently um, and then there's your son who wrote the sweetest note for <laughs> story. story. Yeah. Yeah. It's a school story that he wrote about you going through this and like from his seven year old lens. It was just so, was so cute. It was really cute. Yeah. He's, um, he's a very sweet boy. They're, my kids are all very sweet. <laughs> just all of them are all very different. And it, it, well, we were talking about this earlier too, but it's like, People, so many people come up to us, right? Like during all of our treatments and everything we're going through. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're going through this plus you have kids at home. It's like, it's hard enough to be a mom, yeah, just a mom. And then it's like, oh, you're a mom going through this. Oh, and you have a newborn at home. Yes. And it was just like, I don't, I, I just don't think people even, even can comprehend how like the levels of complexity and, and hardness. But also at the same time, <laughs> you don't have an option Right. To not. Like you have to do, yes. you have to move forward. You have to like Yeah, we're very there's similar. a time to you grieve about it or yeah. whatever process it, but then you have to move forward. You right. have yourself, yeah. you have your baby, yep. you have other kids. your children and oh, plus your husband. husband in a way. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Your job, your job, your family, insurance, and right. you know, like it's you have yeah. to keep moving. And yeah, it's to see those people look at you and to like they're so sad and they just exactly like just they look at you like you're yeah. you're just halfway <laughs> in the grave. I don't know. <laughs> right. And they're like, Oh, you're gonna be so so bad for you. And it's like right it was literally like a full time job. Yes. I remember I called you about this and I was like, mm-hmm. I need you to help me. How do I manage other people's reactions to my news? It's like a full-time job, making sure that they feel okay with the fact that I have cancer. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, it, it became overwhelming to, to yeah. me. I did not handle that part very well. Um, but one thing that we both learned and you had given me a lot of advice about was to let people in, let people help. Yeah. And that was helping them to react and to process what I was going through, especially like close family members. So that was one big piece of takeaway and that's where like I think you probably leaned in a lot too with your daughter is like let the grandmas help let the grandpas help let the sisters come in and cook all of the stuff let mm-hmm. let the the neighbors did like my neighbors at least did a whole meal train for like a month after mm-hmm. my surgery which was wonderful but I think I put on like 16 pounds eating their food but yeah. 
Um, I mean, those type of things are just like that made it mm-hmm. and that helped everybody else to feel like they were a part of like yeah. supporting. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of funny because I feel like I'm almost like now I know I'm only like two years removed, but it's almost like I'm trying to catch up for what I missed, you know, yeah. which is also like the mom guilt side of all of this was like, I mean, the mom guilt was so real mm-hmm. <laughs> during my because and even though I mean like your kids were older, even though my daughter was 18 months doesn't remember a thing, right? I still hated that like I missed out on these milestones or I missed out on these or wasn't a hundred percent focused on it. Mm-hmm. And looking back at all the pictures, right? Like I remember those moments, but I don't remember like anything else. Right. Like I don't remember the feelings around that. I don't remember feeling special at that time or or cherishing it or it's just like I went through the motions of some of her milestones mm-hmm. and for that like I'm I'm very sad that I kind of missed out on part of her not childhood but kind of some of her later baby years I guess but yeah you know so maybe I, I feel like now I'm probably compensating trying to make up for it but mm-hmm. um, she probably doesn't remember any of this but right it's all on me it's all on me 100% like your daughter too like Nora's told you she doesn't really remember. I know, but, but I still think. You think she, I mean, she maybe deep down does, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's hard to let that go. I, I looked too for pictures of me when I was pregnant. And I, you know, thinking about the Pinterest thing that I yeah. started, yeah. I have like uh-huh. zero pictures of me pregnant. Like maybe a handful. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that bad? Like I just, yeah. you know, I was so embarrassed. I felt, I looked awful. Exactly. I, yeah, I just felt terrible. Didn't want any pictures of myself. But. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. But I, I have nothing. You showed me a picture. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I were, have a few. There's you were a few. Like, because I, what I couldn't remember, or like I couldn't comprehend when we met the first time was like, how am I going to give birth during all of this? Like, I just couldn't wrap my head around. I just wasn't mentally there. Yeah. And I remember you, like, that first meeting you and I had, I think that was like the second week after I had been diagnosed or something. Like, we met super early. And you showed me a picture. You're like, here's what I looked like in the hospital. And you had no hair. You did take some of those pictures with wigs on. And this big, you know, belly bump still. And it was the baby. And I was like, how did you do that? (laughs) I just remember pausing, like, you are Wonder Woman. I am so amazed that you actually did it. And then, like, I just couldn't say it. Right. right. You have to. You You have to. Just do it. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. But I need some of your greatest fear. That that may be a good place to to pause there. I think you're both Wonder Woman. Uh, that's pretty that's pretty <laughs> evident from uh, from the conversation here. Um, I mean, wow, you know, uh, I, I I really appreciate uh, everything that you just shared with us. So, uh, so let so let me let me wrap us up if you don't mind with with yeah. uh, one question first. Uh, since we're doing this near Mother's Day, Happy Mother's Day. Uh, that's exciting. Oh, thank you. And uh, I'm very very glad that you're both able to share with us just the, the ins and outs of this. It's so, um, it's so important. So, so to end, uh, let me just ask you, what advice would you have for women that receive a breast cancer diagnosis during their pregnancy? Mm, I'll let you start. So my biggest thing is to be an advocate for yourself. And actually when I said that, she also was like 100%, you yeah. have to, know your body and know when it's not right and, you know, kind of push forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only with diagnosis, it's with anything. You just need to make sure that you're, you know, only, you know, your body as well as you do. So, you know, mm-hmm. other people don't. So you just need to make sure that you're, you know, a good advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. I think we already hit on two of the ones that we kind of 
have both said in the past and still say is, you know, let people in, let people help, give yourself that grace, give yourself that break. Um, that was, it's more important than you even know. Stay positive is my, I, that's very hard to say and it's kind of loaded, but if you, if you go to a bad space, the spiraling we talked about, like you just, you can't stay there because yeah. that is just going to make it worse. And you have to pull yourself out in order to get through it all and staying yeah. positive and looking at those, you know, all those notes that are coming flooding in and all of those meals being delivered and all the things that people are doing for you and with you and right there next to you. That's like, look at, look at all of the silver linings, look at all of the positivity that's going to make you stronger than you even. Than I do. Anything. I do have to say that I, my grandma had cancer. She's, she's still alive, but she was diagnosed 30 years ago. And she always said that you have to be positive. You have mm-hmm. to stay positive. And I always was like, Oh, grandma, like, okay. But truly, I mean, she yeah. went through horrible things and just that positivity. I, I mean, it, it really did help me a lot. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it said it helped yes. you. So, yeah, yeah 100%, 100%. That's like our, that's yeah. like our phrase. 100%. Be positive, move forward. Yeah. Yes. That's good advice. That's good advice. Be positive and move forward. Well, uh, Allison and Kate, you know, thank you so much for giving us a peek uh, into your lives and your experience. Thank you for joining us on the show today. You are both inspirations. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you to Major League Baseball for supporting the Real Pink Podcast this Mother's Day. To learn more about Major League Baseball and how they're going to bat against breast cancer, visit mlb.com forward slash Mother's Day. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org And for more on breast cancer, visit Komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, AdamJWalker.com.